Hello, faithful listener. Welcome back to Haunted Picture Palace. I am Ben. I'm one of the Haunted Picture Palace hosts. And this is Amelia. Say hello. hello. The other. Hello. Hello. And today, on Haunted Picture Palace, this podcast that you are, to which you are listening, we're talking about The Mummy, the 1999 film directed by Stephen Summers, aren't we? Yes. You got any content warnings for us today? I don't think so. Can you Hanging by the neck. Oh, okay. Bugs under the skin. Yeah. He took my tongue. Eyes missing. There is somebody. There are some body horror elements to it, I suppose, <laughs> but it is also a twelve. Yeah, that's true. You know, but I only mean, because okay. It's uh, we'll come on to that, it, but it, I, I mean it is fun. I mean it's no the fly. No, no, because if they tried to CGI that level of body horror, it, it would have been unwatchable at this point. It would have yeah. just looked like static on an old telly. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, I, I saw this in 1999 when it came out when Same I was mm. I was 13, and that CGI looked incredible. Then yes. When yes. we were young. <laughs> yes, I should start by saying that I used to know all the words to this film. I had a very good friend called Sarah Shoebridge who was my only friend, actually, in that particular pl- time in my life. And she was obsessed with Egypt uh, to the point of where her father had painted her bedroom in an Egyptian theme, complete That's with really mummies on the cool. walls and a cabin bed that I used to sleep on the top bunk of. It was just, it had, yeah, hieroglyphics all the way along she it. She used to do her own makeup like Cleopatra. She didn't, but she did used to wear this incredible foundation that was... It, it went on as a mousse, but it became a powder, and it's just the worst stuff to get out of sheets. <laughs> but <laughs> um, we used to watch religiously watch The Mummy. She was absolutely obsessed. And prior to that, I used to teach all my cuddly toy animals about Egypt. That's so sweet. <laughs> I had a poster oh, of the Nile. Amelia teaching your cuddly toys. Teaching my cuddly toys about what the Nile was, what Lapis Lazuli was. I was obsessed with it prior to meeting Sarah. So it's one of the things we bonded over. And then The Mummy came out. So 99 was when I met Sarah. 2000, 2001, we were pals over that time. And yeah, gradually learning chopsticks on the keyboard very slowly (laughs) through her piano lessons. (laughs) And uh, watching, yeah, watching Brendan Fraser. There you go. Wow. Sounds good. I mean, yeah. Oh, playing Worms too as well. Oh, yeah. And occasionally yeah. Hogs of War. Oh, yes, very, very Worms-ish. Yes. Mm. <coughs> Hello, dodgy CGI. <laughs> yes, so we open on Ancient Thebes, uh, which is... I mean, this film had money spent on it. Mm. It had a budget of about $80 million. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, and it made upwards of $400 million, so... Yeah, money well spent as far as Universal were concerned. Mm. But as I say, like there's there's money on it, but it is the late nineties, so CGI wasn't quite where it is today. No, put it mildly. Yeah, we both noticed it immediately. Well, but. I thought it was the DVD hold screen. <laughs> I genuinely did. I I didn't clock the first that few we'd seconds of the film. The movie. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because we were in the all action prologue in. Ancient Egyptian times. Mm. Not specified quite when, but, you know, 
doesn't matter, does it? Uh, <laughs> we get a bit of we get a bit of backstory about the um, the mummy mm-hmm. and uh, and the process that uh, that got him there. So within the first ten minutes, we've had a, a murder, I suppose a suicide, and um, people being mummified alive. Yes, yes. Which is you know not historically terribly accurate, but it don't matter, does it? I really enjoy the plushness of the mega gold everything. I think the gold body paint is really lovely. Anaxa the Moon wears barely any clothes. Indeed, yeah, um, it's mostly body paint. It's mostly body paint and attitude. <laughs> the priests are great. It's a really nice setup of like a time. I think it's a really nice imagining of a time that we just that we have so much information about and yet can grasp none of it fully. Do you yeah. know what I mean by I that? I do, yeah. We have so much evidence that those people existed. We have the artwork of them everywhere, but they're still so open to interpretation. Yeah. You know, it, on any level. I just love when people put an artistic twist on it. The other thing I love is the scale that people so commonly associate with Egypt. You know, we went to the Tunnel of Love at Blackpool. Oh, yeah. Of course, and you go through. And, and you go through, and one of the wonders of the world is the pyramids of Egypt yeah. and, and these massive, just beautiful massive sort of artificial statues from 1930 something isn't it yes one? well because 1926 is the discovery of Tutankhamun's tomb god that's wild 1926 i should have checked that but it's certainly around about then mm-hmm. i expect a little voice in the edit if i've got that wrong yes 1922 i hang my head in shame which would be when the river caves the blackpool were being mm-hmm. made so, which is why you have this extraordinary 1930s, 1920s, 1930s craze for yeah. everything Egyptian, because all this stuff was just coming out of the ground. So incredible. Um, you're going to hear this a lot from me. So my notes here, mm. always loved the gold priests. I think they're amazing. Always wanted to shout Imhotep at the absolute <laughs> top of my lungs. Not going to do it on, on here. And Anaxilamun is so hot. Oh, my God. So... Pretty much, the meme that's going around that I've noticed over the last few months is so true. It's so true that many of us are bisexuals because of this film. (laughs) You know, or it can be directly linked back to the moment that we were like, huh, Anux and a Moon, huh, Brendan Fraser, huh, Rachel Weisz, huh, John Hanna. (laughs) And I can't remember his name, but the man that plays the leader of the Magi. Oh yes, so I can't remember the actor's name. No, it's His character is, is called Ardeth Bay but is never mentioned in the dialogue. You only get that from the credits at the yes. end. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ardeth Bay is the name of the protagonist if you'd like in the 1932 Universal The Mummy. It was the name that The Mummy takes when he oh. comes back to life if that really? makes sense when he's wandering around yes what an, an amazing touch anagram of death by ra which is nice isn't it everything about that just makes all of my film geek stuff tingle <laughs> um oded fair yes he's he's wonderful well everybody's good in this. everyone's great and actually moon there, there are prints of this film going around for television during the day and for viewers of a sensitive disposition where they digitally paint on a bit more of a bikini onto an ex-cinnamon because she's a really? bit muddy for some, yeah. Wow, um, just for to keep everything fair, Patricia Velasquez ah. is uh, an ex-cinnamon. 
Anoxulamun. Anyway, I'll stop doing it, but I probably won't stop <laughs> doing really? it at any point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing impressions and trying not to make any of them racist. So, um, yeah, it's all it's all go, isn't it? It is, and you know, I wondered if it was model work of Habanaptra as well. It might be. I mean, it's certainly we're still in the era when it plausibly could. One thing I wanted to mention there actually is uh, Shadow Suicide, really nice. Mm. Very theatre, and actually the more you look at it, the more I wonder if the director came from a theatre eye first, because a lot of the yeah. stuff that they, he's gone for, Summer, is it? Uh, yeah, Stephen Summers. Yeah, Summers. Summers. It's kind of a really nice mix of CGI that was available at the time that was mind-blowing to us. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. But also... The practical stuff, like working with shadows, yeah. like playing with lights, like playing with sounds, does that a lot. Oh, it's very nice. The soundscape's well, incredible. Because uh, we, you know, we mentioned uh, at the very beginning, they were talking about content warning stuff, and they say it's uh, the DVD cut that we watch, and possibly I haven't checked what what cut of this is on streaming yes. services. We picked up the DVD box set of the three Mummy films for buttons a little while ago, mm-hmm. but the DVD cuts are fifteen. Yeah. So there's a few seconds that were cut for the theatrical release that are mm-hmm. in the 15 cut. The theatrical release was a 12 in 1999 when it yeah. came out. And we'll, I know which scenes were trimmed. We'll come to them when we do. But all of this work with the shadows and the sounds is a really nice way of doing gore. But with there's no gore in this movie. I don't think you hardly see any blood. No, that's it's, true. Is, so, does that define gore? I think... I think so. Mm. I think you would think of gore as being like blood and viscera and all. Well, this you know, business. I you definitely get around that by drying out bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really nicely done that some really nasty things happen, mm. sort of off screen a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but also you know in in shadow, in sound, and you see people's reactions to things happening rather than the things happening mm. because it was engineered for a, a teenage audience basically i didn't actually think of it before but it's the joss whedon trick isn't it the dusting the vampires before oh. they got the budget where we have a bit of dust turn up and then yeah the, the same noise each time so you associate yeah, but it saves you, you thousands of pounds well you do you make sure you have a couple of like really nice dusting effects like in yeah. the first 10 minutes so, so that, that you've established it and then yeah. then it's just the noise yeah well, that's good in a bid to get Anaxilamun back to full slayer power. Mm-hmm. Imhotep, head priest who's been having a shag with her yeah. and got found out and that's why she killed yeah, herself. And you're not allowed very much not allowed to do that. Right. She was the Pharaoh's special pet or something. Best wife? I don't know. Something like that. It's not it's not important. <laughs> no. It's genuinely not. No. She's she's a strong female lead. Uh sorry, she's a strong female character, but she's She's not given very much character development other than in this film. Yeah. Lots more time spent with her in the second one. We'll talk about that later. So, it's Sol Goo rises and she comes to life a little bit, but then Sol Goo recedes because... you got to finish off the ritual. Y- yes, and he didn't. Yeah, but I suppose it is established very early on that like ancient Egyptians are basically magic. They right? know magic, they yes, know, they, they, they know, understand it, yeah. And and it works, uh, yeah. Then we watch them perform the Homdai, the Homdai curse, which is, and then me saying it's all flooding back now because I, you know, I'm like, I know what the Homdai oh, curse is. Oh, of course, yes, is. I remember the Homdai. Yes, 
it's an interesting role to have to be completely mummified and wriggling about and look convincing and quite yeah. frightened because they're all being mummified alive they're having their tongues removed they're having a lot of bugs poured it there's all sorts happening oh yeah yeah i mean the hun the hyundai is particularly grim isn't it it is um it is yes we'll come on to that because they dig him up later spoilers the foley team and the mummy you will never have as much fun in a working day as them <laughs> not once imagine trying to come up with i don't know the sound of people stepping on scarab beetles the bones screaming various yep. things um, clearly scarab beetles wouldn't really have made a noise uh, yeah. so you have to create a noise for an ancient creature that but you have loads of reference points but it needs to be frightening enough that it makes or loud enough that it's not like a little you know you know yeah <laughs> yeah well that looks good on the on the waveform it does but the thing is, is, with this stuff as well, it's not just important to be sort of historically accurate because that's not the game here. No. It has to be accurate to what the audience imagine mm -hmm. this will sound like, straight out of like the my first big book of Egypt. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and I don't mean I don't mean that pejoratively. I know it no, sounds no, no, a no. little bit dismissive, but it's all very well done. I love Benny. Benny was my favourite character as a young person. Benny is my favourite character now. Um, <laughs> Benny's amazing. Uh, let me find out who plays him. I had it up a second ago. It's Kevin J. O'Connor. After this action-packed beginning, yeah. with all of this going on in the Hyundai, we s switch forward in time to the 1920s. <laughs> it's uh, Kevin J. O'Connor is Benny and quite perfect and wonderful, however possibly inappropriate now. Yeah. There's nearly. A, nearly, exactly. There's a fair amount about... This movie wouldn't be made like this now. No. But I, I was, because I haven't seen it since, yeah, 1999. I saw it mm. in the cinema. I haven't seen it since, as wow. far as I remember. I was a little bit worried that it might be one of those things where you look back on something you enjoyed from your childhood and you go, oh, no. Whoopsie doodle. You know, oh, but it's it's no weird science. <laughs> you know, there are certainly things from the 90s that have aged worse than this. Right. Um, it is comic booky. It is national stereotypy. Mm. But but it's it's well, weird. I don't want to sort of feel like I'm defending something that is extremely orientalist, but at the same time, th there's no. Here's the thing. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I'll help you out. Thank you. I think making it racist, but setting it in a time where racism was more accepted, <laughs> is how you get out of it. It's why Poirot is so successful. Right. And it yeah. feels like it's set in the same world as Poirot. Where yeah. everything is a is a racist stereotype, including the main character, and in yes. this case, an angry American and a prissy English girl. Yes, you know it yeah. really. They've they've gone for everybody in sort of high contrast settings. <laughs> um, I would say as well that this is also not made the mistake, apart from Benny, of getting too many white people to play Egyptian no, characters. Yeah, we have enough. people in who at least, at the very least, have connections to these things. I feel like. Is it Jalili? Um, Omid Jalili, yeah. Omid Jalili uh, is playing a character, but he's playing the character that he plays in, in, in comedy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's very similar to his role in Gladiator as well. The following incredibly year. so, yes, um, yes. Yeah. And of course, yeah. you would see him in that and be like, I reckon he can do that slightly more seriously. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But I also don't feel like that's a bad thing because it's still not somebody 
putting a tea towel on their head. No, exactly, and, and some and some dodgy, sort of slightly yellow makeup. Team okay. America style, yeah. frightening. No, yeah, exactly. It's um, it's okay. It's okay for the time. It's not okay now. <laughs> we know this, but it's really not one of the worst ones. And actually, we spend a lot of time talking about how we're appropriating, as in yeah. in the film. Yeah, there's a lot of reference to. Oh, we'll just steal it. Exactly. Ugh, yeah, Americans. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, yeah. The thing the Americans are that like the because you you sort of are worried watching it that it's going to fall into the trap of sort of denigrating the Egyptian characters in the absolutely. Locals, and whereas it doesn't. it doesn't like they're all extremely on it. The, what the, the the nationality that the film hates is Americans. It, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Does the clever thing of like an American film. <laughs> Here's a question though: mm. is is it a character point? Or is it a racist character point that Jalili's character is always smelly? Well, he is a a, a tradesman yeah. riding a camel yeah. and deliberately eating in a particularly horrendous way. Yeah, and doing a lot of sort of chanting. <laughs> yeah, it's not perfect. No, but it didn't. There was it didn't make me go like, oh god. No, same, <laughs> same. Curious. Which is yeah, is is all to the good. And American listeners, apologies. I just didn't realise that we're like, that's totally fine, but it's still more fine than... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the the Egyptian characters, with the exception of Imhotep, really. But again, it's not a it's not a racial thing that he's the baddie. It's that he's, mummy. he's the mummy. <laughs> and it would be weird if the mummy was a large was American man exactly. who just kind of popped up looking like a cowboy. Yeah, yeah. Or if he was like, everybody loves this great mummy guy. But you know, the Egyptian characters are very well presented and come out of it very well. Yeah. But it's interesting, and I'm delighted that they made it a period piece. Because, yes. Which is uh, riffing off the 1932 mummy, the Boris Karloff one. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't a period piece. It was the 30s when it was made. Yeah, but also you just said, like, this is when this stuff was being unearthed as yeah. well. So it makes sense to yeah. set it then rather than when we have more information. We needed it to be yes. history of... The Egyptian, yeah, the, the Egyptian mysteries, right? Yeah, of course. And it's where the word gypsy comes from. Ah, is yeah. you everything that was unknown. The reason he, it, Egypt is called Egypt to us because we're racists, <laughs> um, and because our ancestors were racists here. So when, whenever they met somebody that um, didn't belong or was new or was different, they immediately called them an Egyptian. Like you would just be an Egyptian, right? And that's what gypsy is short for because all the gypsies maintained a bit of that and it got changed in language but then when they found Egypt they were like this is the place all the Egyptians come from (laughs) because they didn't understand any of it. Which is is true but not quite what they mean. (laughs) No, not quite. I did did look up that uh, Edward Said the scholar who wrote Orientalism, mm. the book, was alive when this came out in 2003, Whoa. but I, I wasn't able to find out what he thought of it. Probably no one was bothering this like a distinguished and elderly <laughs> academic with uh, the latest bit of Hollywood hokum. Uh, it is hokum, but um, what it's of cute. it? It's but yes, cute. we are in the 1920s and with the, presumably from the headgear, mm. the French Foreign Legion. I'm not quite sure what they are doing there oh, but presumably yes. fighting some sort of foreign war for money that's kind of their bag isn't mm. it and uh, we're introduced as you say to Benny your favourite character in the film and um, O'Connell as essayed by the wonderful Brendan Fraser I put ugh sexy Brendan Fraser I don't care what anyone says <laughs> here's my comment for you though on this next scene so let we'll take a moment later to really dribble over Brendan Fraser all six foot three or four of him 
But you too. Every I'm chiselled sure. inch. Yes, exactly. But say what you like for this film. It must have had a hell of a horse budget. Yeah. That's a lot of horses to train to do some complicated stuff. They are dealing with explosions that are really there. Yeah. They're dealing with a lot of screaming. They're dealing with other horses coming at them. And some of them have to fall over. That's big budget yeah. stuff. And there's, they don't CGI them. No. So that's actually like a very large amount of horses. Yeah, and there's a lot of people as well in in the background yeah. of these battle scenes. They're extremely well done. Yeah. There's, there's, this is where the, you see the money here. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah, big horse budget, as you say. And they weren't allowed to shoot any of it in Egypt because uh, unstable political stuff. Right. So I have a list of the places that they filmed in. Go on. It's quite fascinating. So Morocco. Uh, particularly okay, yeah. Marrakesh, which makes so much sense for yeah, the street absolutely. scenes. We're in North Africa as well, so we're geographically you're mm-hmm. not far away. Lots of Morocco, different bits of it. Arizona in the USA, <laughs> Morocco, 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 and they have some of them have na- have labels for where they are, and some of them don't. Right, so we've got yeah. a few bits all over the place. But hey, guess what, Sarah Shoebridge, if you're listening, <laughs> all the bits that are the port of Giza and big parts of Egypt are at bloody Chatham Dockyard. <laughs> it was down the road from us where we lived. Wow. Chatham Dockyard. I think she would have cacked her kegs if oh, she yeah, knew that. Because they'd been filming this in, this is 1999, so they were filming I mean. it in 98, 99. It would have been up, then. up the way. Yeah. Um, lots in London, lots in the Royal Naval Base at Chatham, which is next to the to the docks there. We've yep. got Kent and Surrey and Shepparton and lots and lots of it at Shepparton Studios, which is kind of amazing when you think of the sheer scale of some of those scenes. Yeah. Arizona makes sense desert. You know, yeah. there's there's a hell of a lot of yeah, desert of there, and they're in somewhere called Glen Canyon. So like right. those big tracking shots of them walking over dunes and yes, yeah, so the stuff that's sense. obviously done on location somewhere rather than studio. Yes, yeah. but I think for a lot of the interiors and exteriors of real like painted tile business, we're looking at heavy Morocco, which is interesting mm. because that means there's a whole generation of people, our age and potentially younger, that have that as their idea of what Egypt looks like. Yeah. And then they would get there and be like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turns out we really should have gone on holiday to Morocco. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, many horses. Yep, many horses, many men, many explos- explosions. I love the idea of making Indiana Jones a sexy criminal. It, it is heavily indebted to Indiana Jones, it is, isn't it? It yeah. is, it is. But, um, but yes, uh, Brendan Fraser is being watched by the narrator of this mm. movie mm-hmm. here because we're introduced to his character as well. Mm-hmm. The um, I say the narrator of the movie he doesn't do much in the way of voiceover, but he's, he's the he's the fellow who's not named in dialogue through the film mm. with the tattoos on his face. Ardith Bay, mm. but um, he plays the leader. One mm-hmm. presumes of a gang of people who've been watching over this site because mm-hmm. we're, we're in the same we're in Hamanatra again where we were in the prologue but mm-hmm. some thousands of years later yep and uh you know since that time there has been a an unbroken line of a secret society if you yes. like who've been watching to ensure that the corpse or whatever you call it of Imhotep mm. is not released because that will be real bad news yeah Another really nice practical effect here. Mm. The evil grabbing sand. Oh, you know, yes. somebody under that flooring <laughs> yeah. is chucking sand at 
Brendan Fraser's feet. Yeah. Uh, it's very simple, but it still really works. And they peg it out of there. Yeah. Basically, because, well, they try and peg it out of there. Many of them kill each other. Mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser's running into the desert and in another language. Our friend Mr. Bay says, ah, don't worry about it. The desert will kill him. Yeah. Lollarama. Right, because he's wrong. Spoilers. And then I've put ah Cairo Jams nineteen ninety nine because we have some like heavy like da 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 from the yes. score yeah. and lots of yeah just Cairo Jams. Just this is what of, I like, mean when I say Egyptian it's all out of the music. big the big boys book of yeah. ancient Egypt. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Rachel Vice is by far the hottest person in this whole film. Disagree? No argument there. Mm-hmm. Strange comedy ladder moment that doesn't fit with the rest of the film. No, but it's. I think this is. So we're introduced to her character here, mm. so it's supposed to be a bit of a character point for her. Yep. But, like, she's never really again shown to be. She is never clumsy s- at or... all clumsy, incapable. No. But then actually, she comes from a line of explorers, so that could be to illustrate that she doesn't belong bundled up in the library. She belongs out on the field. Yeah. So as soon as she's in the library, she makes mistakes and does st- silly stuff. And yeah, I know. But at several points, she's also shown to be an able scholar, uh, able to decipher. You can still you know, be that, but be travelling. I feel like she's meant. No, to yeah, be... absolutely. But you know, she's not. Yeah, it's only in this scene that she's like a real yeah. like ditz. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also the only moment of that kind of comedy in the whole film. So it confused me completely to see it there. But that aesthetic, the glasses, Edwardian hair cotton and linen combo shirt to skirt is just outstanding also i need to incorporate sons of the pharaohs as a (laughs) as a thing to say when something's enraged me and and an ejaculation (laughs) i guess maybe yeah never mind were you going to say something about this moment no not yet Uh, there's i'll i'll come back to it Um, we have a tasty dose of exposition here though instead oh yes so compared to you compared to you the other plagues were a joy is Uh absolutely amazing but he's captain exposition this is the bainbridge scholar coming through one of them saying oh god why do you work here you've made a mess i mean she does make a terrible mess of his library true she's a female lead in the 90s in a film therefore parents are dead have to be good point yeah at least one parent is dead sorry so we're looking at clueless as well you know right dead we're we're all dead Clumsy, sexy misfit. That's what pet dead parents e- a dead parent equals. Clumsy, sexy misfit. Relatable. That's all I'm saying. That prop department, though. That was my comment on when they walk through this. She walks through the storeroom. She's grumpy. She's been berated by Blokey for ruining the library. Yep. She has ruined the library. She's ruined the library for no reason. She's mooching about with a big book and wonders Belle of Beauty and the Beast style into a darkened room but it's all it's stunning like that's what i mean about the prop department it Mm. is these amazing plaster casts of you know sarcophagi and beautiful things and um she there's another moment that is just feels like it's for the mums weirdly where she's calling names out into the dark because she's heard a noise and she says abdul muhammad oh yes bob and I think we're meant to snuffle at that. It was the rule of three, isn't it? It's it two, is. two quote-unquote oriental names and then Bob, the most quotidian and unoriental name you could <laughs> That's imagine. That's what I mean. I was just not, again, and I put age like milk, That, but it's, it's a very small thing. It just struck me that it's, it's the flubber era of children's film where we have to put things in for the for the adults, but then yeah. 
it scars the children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ard, how much do you love John Hanna in this film? I love John. Well, yes. Then this I is love from him anyway, yeah, but. but this is from the era when he was a bona fide movie star. Cleb, yeah, um, absolute celeb. Cleb. Mm. Yeah, you know, there's sliding doors where he's the romantic oh. lead, despite looking a bit like a Thunderbird puppet. I um, love that film. Of course, Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is a wonderful you film. You love that film. I hate um, Andy McDowell. Fair enough. I mean, I hate all of the films that it spawned, of course. almost without exception. Yeah. But I think, you know, that works well. And he's good in it. Yeah. You know? And he made me jump here when he. Um, <laughs> he did, probably. When his entrance. He holds becomes. up a. He bursts out of a sarcophagus, but he bursts out. Like the arm of a mummy first. And, yes, uh, holding a. She does a wonderful corpse. A wonderful jump. I wanted to say something about the two of them now we've met them because their surname is. It's Carnahan. Okay. Right? That's the family name of uh, Evelyn and her brother, Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan, yeah. And she says yeah, her father is a famous explorer and mm-hmm. Egyptology guy. Yep. And of course, the, the man in charge of the. Tutankhamun ex- uh, expedition was Lord Carnarvon, which is not a million miles away from Carnahan. Oh, that's nice. Right? I bet they weren't allowed to use the real name. So I wonder if the, mm. if the like in some way her father is supposed to be not really, but I, I I do wonder if like her name is supposed to evoke that famous Egyptology yeah. name like that. Yeah. yeah. So this could be a sort of alternate universe where she's the daughter of Lord Carnarvon. Yes, I like that. Hmm. Jonathan says, I've found something. And she says, lol, I can't keep taking your things to <laughs> the Bainbridge Scholars because yes. most of what you find essentially are bottle caps. Yeah, um, found another button with BC on it. <laughs> and uh, he shows her and says, oh, please tell me I've found something. And she gets all excited and touches an object she's never, ever seen before and immediately knows how to open it. She's good. Nothing compares to the way Rachel Vice says Hamanaptra, right? Yep. So watch out for that if you're watching the film along. <laughs> um, I will say that this is they they realise that this is connected to the Book of Amun Ra. Yep. Or yeah, it's the Book of Amun Ra. Is yes, what they're looking that's for. what they're looking for. The big golden book, which is entirely invented for this movie. Yeah. Because. Oh, I can do as a as a professional book person. Oh yes, I can tell you that the books, you know, the ancient books in this film that we find, hmm. look like books, you know, as you would imagine, right? A codex with mm-hmm. pages that you turn and a spine. Ancient Egypt, this hasn't been invented. There'd all be scrolls. Damn, that's <laughs> painful. My nine-year-old self wanted to beat you down. Well, the point is that it doesn't matter. Like, of course, the books look like this. It it doesn't matter that it's not historically accurate. When you imagine a big cursed book, it looks exactly like like these do. Credit to them, though. They didn't do, like, papyrus sheets. They have made those full gold plates that turn. Yeah, although you'd never be able to lift it if it was that slow. No, <laughs> she's doing great, though. Yeah. Maybe they're papyrus coated in gold. Maybe, like, yeah, gold leaf. Yeah. And she just never bothers. And many of the pages are stuck together. Yeah. Maybe if she read it yeah. right, she could have, like, cured all those plagues. Yeah, well, they should have helped. Anyway, spoilers. Doop do doop 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 doop. <laughs> but yes, yeah, she immediately opens it, and it does have some papyrus in it, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The papyrus that has in it is a map. The map is to have an aptra. And we get some more exposition. We do. Because, again, made up for the film. <laughs> Not Go that on. it matters. Well, oh, Aptra is the city of the dead, <gasps> where they put all of their 
dead. Where all the dead people, but also the ancient Egyptians apparently put all of their treasure there. All of the yeah. treasures of early Egypt went to Hamanapra, the city of the dead. Probably connected to, although they don't make this explicit, probably connected to all of these sort of grave treasures that people were finding in the yes. in the pyramids, that when pharaohs and people of great renown and repute pass on, they mm -hmm. need all of this gubbins for the next life. Like their wives and their cats. And their chariot and their big piles of gold. Mm. So they're buried with them. So it means that treasure hunters have been looking for this place for centuries. But mm. it's a myth. Nobody thinks it's real. Yes, perfect. While this is happening, uh, while this is being explained, the scholar accidentally on purpose burns the corner of the map, but we don't know it's on purpose. No. Nope. He burns the corner of the map on the candle and then says, oh goodness, maybe you should leave it alone. In a deeply unconvincing way. They freak out. But Jonathan then says, hey, Lolorama, I didn't find this in a dig. I definitely stole it from a very large man. Yeah. <laughs> Evie decides this is the time to go and find this person to find out if they know more about the map. Yeah. Basically. Very That's simple. how we meet each other. Yeah. And then it changes scene and oh my god, the outfit. So Jonathan has these beautiful long socks on, looks like a kind of an alcoholic explorer, like he's <laughs> he's really going for it. Rachel Weiss has the most incredible, beautiful, dainty little shoes. We're not in Edwardian times, are we? We're in Georgian, maybe? No. Um, Where are we here? Yeah, Edwardian. Edwardian, yeah. Yeah, Edwardian. With the hair and the shoes. Yes, totally. Sorry. Um, they are Edwardian shoes. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but... no, I mean, there's a, there's, I mean, there is a King George in there at some point, but he doesn't reign for very long. So Edwardian is perfectly reasonable for post-Victorian. -Vic, post yes, I knew there was a George, but are they not called Georgians? I think we think of Georgian as like the uh, the run of Hanoverian Georges before. before Victoria. Yes, yeah. yes, that makes sense. Hmm, anyway, oh, this is where we see Brendan Fraser again, looking a little bit worse for wear, or better, depending on your outlook. <laughs> better. Um, <laughs> sure, I sure I heard something. A bit, <laughs> uh, a bit hairier and a bit angrier. And, and a bit more in prison. And a lot more, yes, incarcerated by the Egyptians. He's done something wrong. We don't know what it is. He was looking for a good time. He was. He's caged. Rachel Vice does a little mini interview with him saying, hey, do you know where this stuff is? And when he starts answering, you know, he, she says, do you swear? And he says... Frequently? Every, da every damn every day. Every damn day. Which is so smooth and so very, not necessarily Indiana Jones as such, but certainly um, the person that played him, who's gone out of my head. Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford. Whenever he's allowed to sort of ad-lib or touch something, he ends up making it that, that attitude, you know. Well, you see, because my notes say that this owes a lot to... Indy. Indiana Jones, thank mm. you. But, like, I do feel like... O'Connell here owes more to Han Solo. Definitely, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's but it's, why. I... Exactly, it's 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 one of Harrison Ford's iconic seventies, eighties roles, mixed crossed with the other one. Yeah, but <laughs> I love you and I know is yeah. improvised. Ex yes, there's a very iconic scene that this whole thing reminded me of. Actually, it's almost set in the same place, kind of. You know, maybe they're both filmed in Morocco. Could be. But the this guy, there's a there's a scene where Indiana Jones has to fight with somebody who does a load of essentially faux kung, kung fu in front of him. Like, he flips about and does all this stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. with his sword, I think, yeah. if it's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yes. exactly that. And he just... Takes the gun out. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the like, 
oh, here you go. That smoothness. Yeah. Definitely. And certainly, yeah, do you, every damn day is really hot. Anyway. <laughs> and then, Christ, that shouldn't be that hot. It's, it's because it's because he kisses her through the bars. I'm, I'm a sucker oh, yeah. for an absolute monster of a human. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, her hair is so damned good, I've put. Really is incredible hair. The hair and makeup team on this film knew it. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. It, it's so much more subtle than it could be makeup wise. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. For everybody. They're not doing the plastic the plastic American adventure story thing. They have every right to. But they yeah. frequently make O'Connell look like as dusty as the actual desert would yeah. make him. And that makes me happy. And then yeah. Anyway. I got distracted by the hair again. I've written about it four times already. I genuinely laughed out loud at the little translated moment where O'Connell is caught for kissing her through the bars. Oh, yes. Dragged away to be hanged uh, in front of her Mm -hmm. in in a public forum. Yep. And the person hanging Brendan Fraser says, have you got any requests? You pig. You know. And Brendan Fraser yeah, says, yeah, yeah, can you untie me and, untie let, me me and go? let me go? It's really nice. But it's then, a good character point as it well. It is, but then that hangman taking it to... Oh, yeah. Jalili is oh, what did nice. it to me. Yeah. Where he's... It's all done in action. Yeah, but and it's, it's like, almost in the background cause, yeah. because uh, Rick... You know, Brendan is is still sort of foregrounded in this. Yes. It's just happening behind him while we're... Yeah. 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 And he's going... And he says it in Egyptian, I think. Yeah, I don't what know. What is I'd the language? Speaking in some sort of Arabic. Uh, it is Arabic, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but well, yes, but it might not actually be. I have a feeling that they're speaking a variety of like foreign and Arabic-ish languages. Well, they don't translate that, that bit, just, so it could be anything. That are just put subtitles on that are not terribly accurate. Got you. But it doesn't, you know, it, it. But it doesn't matter. They weren't. Yeah, they weren't concerned about that. It's not. It's not a mistake as such. They're just deliberately. Yeah, they just deliberately decided to to do it that way. So sometimes the same line of, line of dialogue is repeated and subtitled differently. Yes, yes, that kind of. So thing it's like is. it's real Arabic, but it's not really what they're supposed to yeah. be saying. Yeah. And yeah, it's motioned that he's actually the hangman. The hangman has actually put it to him. Yeah. Being like, he says, "Can I let him go?" And he's <laughs> like, "No." no. <laughs> <laughs> this does owe a lot to like other 30s and 20s and 30s cinema and adventure serials the way it's the way it's going it's the kind of 12 part saturday morning serial yes which is also it's it's like it's from the same well if you'd like that indiana jones and star wars are both drawn from Mm -hmm. right which are the films that spielberg and lucas grew up watching when they were kids yeah of course they would go they'd be going to the cinema on a saturday morning and watching Mm. these cowboy and western and adventures serials like this so it's all from the same well so um brendan fraser died uh filming this if that helps uh he stopped breathing like his oh, pulse blimey. actually went during the hanging I was scene say, I know, i'm pretty sure he didn't but i understand now i'd mentioned earlier that i would come on to the bits that were cut for cinema release yes. and reinstated for the dvd this is one of them okay the scenes of him hanging because i was I was shocked mm-hmm. because, you know, I know how these things go, right? That she turns up and she's chatting to the, the governor mm-hmm. saying, you know, we need to release this guy. And, and it's I'll all, pay you, yeah. It's all set up for, you know, she rescues him in the nick of time. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, you've all seen this kind of thing. But, which is a nice a nice detail is that, no, that doesn't happen. And halfway through the scene, they release the trapdoor. Yeah. And he uh, dangles, but, you know. His neck, neck doesn't break. break. Mm. Yeah. While they're still 
sort of negotiating it. You know, I said that they cut a few scenes of him on the rope and jiggling, squirming, and you know, they cut yeah. a few of them for the telly. They also cut the line of the governor when he's negotiating with uh, Rachel Vice for yeah, what putting his like, hand on it. Where he says like, talks about being lonely and wanting. To, they cut that as well for that the cinema. That makes sense. To get a, to get a twelve. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a sexual suggestion, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's also gross. <laughs> <laughs> she does respond beautifully. And actually, Rachel Vice or Evie rather, has an amazing face of I own you now when O'Connell gets cut <laughs> down that just flashes over her face. You talked about that gag, that sort of background gag of the translating his last yeah. request. I also enjoy the equally stupid gag <laughs> of the negotiation going where they're meeting in the middle of how much to pay and they come yes. down past each other so that the he he talks himself down. Yes, he says 25 and she goes, ha! She, she'd offered 30 and he went for 25. Yeah, love it. And then you get that, again, it's 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 nicely played where you get it on his face where he realises too late what yes. he's done. Yes, yes. And it's it's dumb, no, it's, oh, but it made me laugh. Um, I put, ugh, Brendan, stop. <laughs> Rachel Weisz is a nice, strong female lead in this without being a pastiche, which is quite nice. She's not... Well, everyone's a bit of a Everyone's pastiche. a pastiche, I've talked about it. They're all a caricature of the character they're playing. Yeah. But a caricature of their trope. But she's not an irritating or underdeveloped female lead. No. And she gets... She's powerful. She is a powerful player. Like, she has infinite skills in this realm. Yeah. It's... Intelligence yeah, is really championed. She's yeah, good. yeah. Um, we, talked, we talked before, I'm sure, on the podcast about the 1930s plucky female reporter. Ah, we did. And, um, and my fascination with it. And this... It's, it's not quite who she is, but there's no. certainly there's certainly like a large chunk of that in yeah. her here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because there there are other characters who, in fact, later on when when they're in competition with another bunch of Americans to mm-hmm. get to Hemanaptra, one of them says like, "Oh, led by a woman, what would what would she know? What would they know?" And then we cut, of course cut to her basically lecturing the rest of her crew on the significance of various yes, things. Yes, that's she's, true. That's she's an true. expert, but she is not regarded as such by some only idiots in the film absolutely but also but, you know it's yeah. to do with the timing yeah she really makes me think of it and again we're sticking with the 90s because that's apparently all i do now that's also what the the cultural milieu of this film. yeah and i would say rose from titanic is <laughs> right? um a similar yeah. level right a, a little bit later isn't it yeah rough uh, this is two years after titanic no, no, um, in time. Oh, the, the Titanic was is set earlier, in yes, 1912. Yes, that's what I mean. The Titanic went down. Yes. So she's sort of the one, she's the stage before. Right. If, if Rose had been secretly educating herself about Egypt in the background, yeah, she would be an Evie. Right. I would say, an Evelyn. Don't you think? In what way? Wealthy parents who are famous. Wealthy parents who are famous in their field, mm-hmm. plucky, willing to try anything, okay. um, down and dirty with the lads, you know, <laughs> um, happy to do a bit of a folk dance or drink a bit. I suppose. I mean, it's... Brave in the face of danger, kind of. Okay. Let's carry on. Yeah, there is so much plot in this that if we, if we narrate every beat, we're going to be here all day. Yes, this nice exchange, very Indiana Jones again. Have you, you haven't seen Indiana Jones, have you? I've seen a large proportion of most of the films. 
Oh, okay, good. Just not like I haven't been like oh sat down and Indiana Jones them. time mm. exactly. There's an interesting dynamic with one of the female leads who I despise in the film. Uh, she does a lot of screeching. Right. But there's a nice bit where they're trying not to sleep with each other, mm-hmm. but they also both want to sleep with each other. Right. So they're staying in this very big hotel, and. Indy's sort of like watching his watch being cocky and like kind of waiting for her to approach the door mm-hmm. but she's doing the same thing so they both right. end up being like <laughs> you know and eventually she gives in and gets kidnapped right so because like, <laughs> she goes there's some, some oh oh there's the kidnap alarm nice let's see if that carries on forever so yeah she she thinks that she's chasing him around but actually there's the kidnapper chasing her it's, okay. it's a nice bit of fast but it still gave me those vibes, and I put fragile male gun belt. Gun belt? Yeah, where oh. she's dissing his skills, and he flops a fragile male gun belt out on the table right. and made me laugh. Because it is just like, <laughs> I've got a big gun, though. And she's like, yeah. mm-hmm, books. Mm-hmm. Where are we? Benny is a marvel. Oh, yes, the return of Benny, the cowardly guide from I love earlier. Him. Also, there's a long line, a beautiful long line yellow jacket on. Rachel Vice that is just blimey. Screams in bisexual, I've put in stars. <laughs> that hair and the nightgown in this next scene. She's like prepping for bed. Alright, oh, yes. So oh, we're on yes. we're on the, on the boat. I'm skipping ahead because I, as you say, we can't go into yeah, every bit. Like, yeah, there's it it starts off fast and exciting and it never really stops. I don't think there's a single bit. <laughs> nope. It's two hours and a bit. I think it runs about two hours, five or six. Yeah. And But it's 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 never boring. Nope. Never nope. boring. They do great. But yes, they're on their way to Hamanaptra. And I said, as if you can get that particular type of brush through that hair. <laughs> but I do love Evelyn stabbing a man in the eye with a candle. Yeah. So she's attacked by a member of the Magi. Mm-hmm. who are the ancient order set to protect the land from anybody finding old Imhotep. Imhotep. But we don't know that at that point necessarily. We just think that this is like a, a vigilante group set on stealing you yeah. know, or something. They're, they've taken over the boat and they've done it quietly and frighteningly. So this guy appears in the Mirror Candyman style. Yeah. So yes, loving the... Uh, stabbing a man in the eye with a hat candle but john hannah's entrance here is so incredible it's one of my favorite tropes is somebody who's so clumsy that they accidentally foil the bad guy oh right yeah i really like it i feel like it's not used enough these days it's an oldie you know <laughs> yeah. where someone yeah. just kind of falls and then stabs you know, yeah or, you like know. just waves his arm and knocks somebody off a ladder yeah or, something, or they shut a door yeah. at the wrong time and yes. someone just goes into it i love that stuff <laughs> god it's so exciting <laughs> <laughs> um more expensive horses plus pyrotechnics. Yeah. A little bit too laboured on the line, Americans, from John Hannah. Well, this is what I, I meant like when that I said that. was the 18th like, line. That the, the, all of the ire for this film is reserved for the other group of people who are also searching for Hammond for the Americans that are, le- that are being led by Benny. Yes. Who also knows where it is. Uh, who exist purely to draw the ire of everybody else and then to be cannon fodder or mummy fodder. Yes, that absolutely. I mean, it, the reason he says is Americans is because they've lined up like they're at a cowboy shootout yeah. and they're having the time of their lives. Blessed in a picking way. Picking off the ancient sect. That man who she stabbed in the eye with a candle mm-hmm. is on fire for a very long time. Yeah, there's some <laughs> excellent pyrotechnic shots. Yeah, yeah long takes of, of, of a guy fully on fire. 
Mm. It's uh, Jonathan Hyde is the expert that the American team. Oh yes. Um, it, that's his. That's the actor's name. I can't remember his character name just off the top of my head, but it's fine. No, it he's he's the man in the fez doing a horrified face at all the violence, clutching a book yeah. with a monocle that permanently falls out. You yeah. know, he's yeah. he's a great trope. Again, very thirties film trope. Definitely. Um, so you know, absolutely on point with that uh, reference. But our main characters, mm-hmm. Evelyn is thrown off the boat. Oh yeah. By Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser joins her in the water, and there's a yeah. Basically, yes, everybody's they to, out. They have to abandon ship because it's on fire. They very, do. very majorly on fire. There's some chat about how Benny's team are on the wrong side of the river. Yeah. When they get to land. Yes. Can you can you swim? And she says yes. If there's a if there's a call for it. Yeah. And uh, he just chucks it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very screwball comedy in places. The old quick fire quip. Yeah. Business and. Yeah, sort of rom-com is the is the dynamic in mm. a lot of these, and there's a lot of gags and a lot of funny lines as well as it being exciting. Yes, that's true. We then have a lot of oh, well, that's why I've put racism. We could have had more camels if you'd given her your sister. Oh yeah. If yeah. you give if you given them your sister, and the camels are wonderful. They really steal the show <laughs> in this. Actually, a lot of mm-hmm. being camels, just doing yeah. what they do, but they are inherently funny. And then cultural appropriation outfit reveal will never not make me clench things that I didn't think could be clenched. Rachel Weiss coming out in her kind of veil and excessive eyeliner combo. Oh yeah, because all is, of her she lost all of her clothes. She in the, did my in clothes. The fire. Everything except for that nightgown. Oh, oh yeah, of course, duh. But yes, yeah, she comes out in a lacy number being perfect and i put surely some insane location work here but it turns out that's the arizona desert and a right. little bit of morocco <laughs> i thought they filmed it in a turkish delight advert <laughs> and then cute camel um there's some strange graphics going on round and about the place but it's definitely them riding the camels actually well i put yeah. <laughs> oh well, yeah that's sometimes. definitely them riding the camels for sure and then oh actually that was rachel vice riding a camel yeah like, yeah <laughs> Yeah, and the CG just isn't good enough then to do it any other way than no. to put her on a camel. That I'm suspicious that John Hanna ever got on a camel, because <laughs> we we only see him like jerk, wobble past the camera. If that makes sense, you don't get him, or in very long shots. Whereas we do show Rachel Vice between the humps, <laughs> so to speak. Got you. True romance from Awkward O'Connell. Oh, Why the... did you kiss me? Is that the bit? No. The pack. He gets so the oh, archaeology yeah. pack because he's yeah. starting to like it. Um, basically, he steals it from the Americans, but we find that out later. The mirror trick is so good. <laughs> yeah, I love the mirror trick. This is the first bit I remember from my teenage viewing mm-hmm. of the film when I saw them do the mirror bit. It, it had really stuck in my mind from first seeing it. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's really cool. It's a really nice idea. Gives me Jumanji vibes too. Yeah. It's got that kind of hidden tricks and tips thing. Absolutely, yeah. And it's the Tomb Raider D&D mm. idea of tombs with like hidden traps and secret things. Yeah. All those gibbons. But, you know, even though it was like 7,000 years old or however, depending on when, when from ancient Egypt it's supposed to be from, you know, it still works perfectly because it was well built. Yes. Um, the, the interestingly, my next note is that Scarab Beetle score really sticks in my head. It's re- it's just super familiar to me, but I can't remember it for the life of me now. <laughs> you know when you're hearing a thing and it yeah. just 
Jerry Goldsmith. There oh, we go. Of course. Who did The Omen? Wow. Big um, motion picture soundtrack guy. I worked on a couple of the Star Treks, I think. Where Rambo, Gremlins. Yep. He's the soundtrack to our childhood. One of them. Lots of Star Trek. Legend. Yeah. He did those whale sounds in Legend. He's a <gasps> he's a big big soundtrack guy. <laughs> I love him. So congratulations to him. He's stuck in my head in every single way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we we are we we have found yeah. Amanaptra by this point, and mm-hmm. and again, Jonathan is a bumbling idiot and finds something <laughs> perfect. Yeah. He's doing some golf excavation. Of course, yes, because they have a little bit of a fight over who will excavate where. They're looking for the golden book, aren't they? That's good. Yes, the Americans, and that, this is why everyone's on a camel. Sorry, we should do that. Everyone's on a camel. The, uh, our leading people are on camels because our Americans are on horses and there is a race and yeah. a bet. And the bet is that is is about who will get there first. And I think it's something like 5000 or $500, something. $500, but in 1930 dollars, that's, a, that's a, a lot. fair amount of money. Yes. Um, so the race is on, but then they arrive at the same time. Yeah. Irritating. <laughs> Very annoying. Jalili's back. Yep. He was on the journey with them. Well, he's come with them to protect his investment because he's haggled yep. uh, a cut of the fines because mm-hmm. there's lots and lots of treasure there apparently That's yeah and he is victim to our first iconic scarab beetle moment it is so horrifying yeah well he's victim also to his own greed yes he sees these shiny beetles sort of gem beetles on the wall mm-hmm. and starts picking them off with a knife in a really sensory memory way that mm. I, I just they i don't know if anybody else has this memory but if you do shout me sometimes i don't know what shop it was but this is so complicated. But there was a shop that used to sell chocolate beetles when I was young, mm. and they had that shiny coloured foil on them. But they had paper legs that they were stuck to, you know, like cardboard Ooh, legs. Okay, yeah. Like a shape of the legs, mm-hmm. and then their body was the the jewel coloured foil, mm-hmm. and they just look exactly like those. Wow! No, I do not remember. But the... it's like somebody picking them off the wall. It used to make me so hungry. That one scene. <laughs> Made me desperately want chocolate. So they must have existed somewhere, but yeah. I have a sensory memory of them. I've never seen them since. Um, picks them off the wall, they come to life, they, they get inside his brain, and then he does this most awful thing, and I feel like it's one of the more horrifying moments of the film where he just is in a panic, yeah. runs straight ahead and into a wall and dies. Yeah, it's a fantastic pratfall from Omar Jalili. Like, yeah. It's proper... And when I say cartoony, like you're right, it doesn't detract from the horror of it. No, it's, just, it's awful. It's just a beautifully well executed slam into a wall and fall backwards, yeah. where he's just very clearly died. You I know? know it's so dark. I find it so dark because it's clearly in his brain. But that effect of it being around in his skin is interesting. Yeah. Um, we're in the same year as the Matrix. Oh, good point. Which is a wild bit yeah. of comparison. But that bit with the the bug that's in. Keanu Reeves, yeah. we are we are into things living under the skin no, and, absolutely. and stretching and mutating skin in some way in a very similar way. Manipulating skin rather than mutating. Come on, brain. Previously, we've missed a bit, but that's fine. The other team find a box and get the locals to three of the locals to open it and they are blasted with essentially some sort of sand. Right? Yeah, acidic sand. I well, think. we find that out later, that's what I mean. So this is Fair the bit enough, where we're sorry. told 
Oh, three of the other diggers melted. Yeah. You know, it was, as you say, acidic sand. Uh, is that a thing? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> They're talking around the campfire, right? Yeah. The diggers were melted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like little trucks melted. Can I ask, when their camp is, like, so the, you know, the two camps are existing near each other, but not side by side, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. When they're attacked, how is everyone immediately awake? O'Connell's yeah. awake and he's fine. Yeah. You know, the rest of them are kind of all right. Even Evelyn's sleepy. Yeah. But she's she's not drunk yet. Yeah. All this stuff. But mostly well, everybody they're... else is asleep. Yeah. A couple of bits of gunfire and they are like awake like they've been awake for six days. Anyway. Well, well I mean, O'Connell at least is a former soldier. Uh, so oh, I yes, that word, you I did. Sold, yeah. but soldering iron, sold yeah. It, yeah, and uh, and you know perhaps the others, perhaps the Americans, are sort of rough, tough, adventuring types who have to sleep with one eye open. Why the sort of prissy Egyptologist with the fez and the monocle would be awake? I don't know. He, yeah. I suppose he's antsy. To be fair, like yeah. he is, he was awake. Mm-hmm. He was awake when they attacked yeah. because he was trying. He was poring over the the book mm-hmm. at that point. Anyway. Jonathan drinks and shoots, which is quite good. Yeah. Just drinking and shooting. And then we sort of get that out of our system. They get left alone for some reason. Do you remember why? The Well, who's attacking them? Is it the... The Magi. The Magi. And they don't say, like, there's been enough bloodshed now. Yes. But you have go to home. But leave. Yeah. You know, leave this place or die. So they obviously stay there. And Rachel Weiss and Brendan Fraser play a game of drink and punch. Yeah, uh, where they train Rachel Weiss to to punch, but while she's blind drunk, it's the only bit that she falls down on. Um, for some reason, she's not con- she's not okay acting drunk. Um, there was nothing convincing about that, even if it was that character being drunk. I suppose. Um, yeah, you're right. It it doesn't really fit. I'd, I hadn't really thought about it, and I give it a pass because it's really cute. <laughs> Fair. Um, her little soliloquy here while she's wasted is just adorable. <laughs> I don't think Sorry. I've ever heard you use that voice ever. <laughs> well, Screw she, you, Rachel Vice. She um she hymns the simple pride in what she is. I'm a librarian. Yeah. Yes. Which is, you know, as a as a a, a book person myself. Is a is a joy, right? And a an important message. She's a terrible librarian, Ben. Yeah, she did knock over all those shelves. She's a terrible librarian. She's a brilliant scholar. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and then I'm going to kiss you now, Mister O'Connell, and then does the thing. Uh, yeah, falls. Yeah, loses consciousness. It's gorgeous. We suddenly realise that we have a key to the book. Yes. We grab the book. You know what I do? Because I've obviously never, ever read a book, <laughs> seen a film. Yeah. yeah. Heard. You know nothing about Egyptian play, curses. But I'm definitely going to just read it out loud. I thought yeah. I'd read it. I would never even read it aloud if I was alone, you know. Yeah. But we're going to read it loud. Turns out that's Does, a bad idea. Yeah, I know. CGI locusts everywhere. Yeah. You say CGI, look, yeah, I mean, they are. Mm. Although, yeah, mixture of, of CGI and um, a couple of 
rubber ones. Yeah. To give them something to react to, I think. Have you got a fact about this? I have. Fezman, Jonathan Hyde, Jonathan Hyde um, had to film that scene something like 18 times because he couldn't stop laughing at the close-ups of all the locusts on his face. <laughs> it just really tickled him for some reason. Not literally, but, you know, just you found it, it hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. But I think that shows the attitude that we're filming this horrifying film with in places. You know, obviously it's fun and games yeah. and all that. But... I think if you're like a plague of locusts and then lol 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 lol, lol <laughs> yeah. you know. But again, they, they make my skin every time. We have a few times with like locusts. Yeah, they and got you, didn't they? They really make my skin crawl. There's something about the number of them. Um, <laughs> the plagueness. Yeah, sort of really viscerally, probably like creepy. You know, like oh 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 oh. I can't really express that very well. No. As you'll have noticed, <laughs> for those keeping notes. The second bit I remember very clearly from first watch of the film is the Fez fella jerking awake and saying, you must not read from the book. Yes. Is, yeah. For some reason, that stuck in childhood me's brain. Yep. Makes sense. It's because it's deeply advert ad- advertible. Yes. Sound bitey, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But also it's about books. <laughs> we find Imhotep's coffin. Mm-hmm. A little bit later, we've read from the book and we're like, lol. And I really do enjoy, and I know it's cheesy, but I do enjoy her reading from the curse. The sand thing happening again, like the flicky sand. Oh, yeah. And O'Connell yeah. being like, that happens here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it, it gets away. It, I feel like it shouldn't get away with it. No, it's good. But it really does. It's some nice work because they have found, because yes, before they, she reads from the book, they do find, they, open, they say they find the key, they open mm. up the coffin and they find the mummy that's a bit gooey. That's after, yeah. That's yeah. That's after they've read from the book. Is it? Apparently, I thought reading from the book brought them alive. Yeah, it does. Oh, right. I'm yeah. a librarian. Yeah, I'm going to kiss you now. Ah, a curse. Best to read it aloud then. Fingernail marks on the inside. Death is only the beginning. Oh, and then they read again. Right. So she reads the first bit, and we get right. Yes, that makes sense. Windy woo. Then we find the coffin. And there's nail marks on the inside, so he was buried from buried alive. Yeah. Um, and then she talks about the Homdai. Yes. And the Homdai is so gross because obviously you put scarab beetles, live yeah. scarab beetles in there that slowly, slowly eat away the flesh while yes. you're alive, right? Yes. Because um, then I've put, lol, the mystery wind and stop reading aloud. <laughs> oh right, my God. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. Fair enough. But yes. And then, sorry, then CGI locusts. Right. That's fine. Okay, yes, yeah, so that's what we got, fair enough. Because I remember that the the model, I suppose, of, of Imhotep's mm-hmm. corpse is, is really quite effective. nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's effectively unpleasant. Mm. And also, because we get the archaeologists looking at it and going, oh, it shouldn't be this gooey. Yep. He's been dead for thousands of years, but he looks like he's still decomposing. Yeah. It's quite effective, because then, the, then we get the... CGI of him coming alive a bit later on, yeah, yeah, with all of the holes in him and stuff. It's quite nice. I understand they spent quite a lot of time and money on the model for oh, must have for for CGI Imhotep, mm. and it's quite a good one. I don't know if now's the time to talk about it or whether we're not quite there yet. No, we'll do it a bit later. We then have a spectacle wearer's nightmare where everybody runs from Imhotep. Now he's awake. Yes, but they they forget Velma. Yeah, and I can't find my glasses, and of course it's Benny that stomps on them, knows he's done it, and then runs away because he's an absolute poop. Yeah, 
and he's you know we're both glasses wearers i am blind as an absolute bat you know without <laughs> I've got no depth perception without them but <laughs> no you could sort of see but i could see you know my right eyes all right so i'd be able to get away from yeah imhotep in this case but i wouldn't be happy <laughs> yeah and i just would see color shifts uh-huh. in the distance even if he was like two meters in front of me. But it is, it's proper, you know, it's it's, horrible. it's it's a horror movie scenario, isn't it? Yeah. What an incredible scream that man does. It's such an amazing horror scream. And there are so many good screams in this. I'm going to highlight them. But that particular one is amazing. Yeah. And it echoes, of course, but it's great. And then Evelyn, who hasn't seen any of this go on, mm-hmm. really, comes around the corner to say, oh, there you are to him. Mm-hmm. another point a little bit later on yeah and he's just sort of horrifyingly staring at a wall yeah looking frightening from the back and she's like oh there you are blah 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 and when he turns evie's scream is so great she doesn't do the, and i've even put the indiana jones style screeching she right. does like a scream that's in her vocal range so we're not doing the girly, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're doing, like, a proper, the, the equivalent of, like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really nice. Yes, in vocal there. range and in character. Yes, as as we find out, uh, Imhotep has pinched his eyes and tongue. Yes, and he's blobbing around and bumps into Benny. Yep. Who does my, one of my favourite scenes in the whole film, which is where he goes through all the amulets around his neck and all praise in all the different languages in the hope of communicating with this thing it's such an amazing well, in the hope of being saved by one of the deities i reckon yeah right? definitely yes. yeah but also to to have pity i think to, right, to yes, get a moment yes, of like oh, yeah. praying for your life but yeah definitely to cover your bases and be yeah, like exactly, one of them like one of them help. exactly one of people believe in these one of them might help me out yeah and he uh, says ah the language of the slaves and then i said israeli slaves well, he's, he's speaking Hebrew. Hebrew, there we go. Hebrew, because it, yes, he brings course. out a Jewish a star you. of David. So, 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 yeah, the um, you know Moses and the people of Egypt. Hebrew, Hebrew. Thank you. Yeah. But what I was going to talk about the idea of Imhotep requiring flesh, flesh, mm-hmm. and organs and and gubbins. It was quite a horrible gubbins, obviously technical term. Yeah, gubbins. it's quite a horrible idea, mm. and. I want to talk a little bit at this juncture about the history of this film. I'm going to say it's 1999 for this film, but it was first mooted. I mean, obviously, the the mummy has quite a long pedigree in the horror film yeah. genre. But this version was first mooted in the early 90s. Universal were looking to do something with it, and although I, had, I haven't found anything that that's explicitly drawing these parallels, I suspect that the world conquering success of Bram Stoker's Dracula might have had something to do with mm-hmm. it, because Ken Branagh did Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in the mid-90s as well, also before this. And if you're universal, it makes sense. You go, well, Dracula's bringing in the big bucks again. Frankenstein. Yeah. So, you know, they also did The Mummy, and that was one that, whereas the other two have literary antecedents, The Mummy is much more their own creation. There are stories of of killer mummies but it was very much a 1930s confection based on what was popular at the time so it's yes. their intellectual property and there were attached to it at various points clive barker who wrote and directed hellraiser yeah was interested in doing a version a movie but it wasn't what they wanted and they also talked to 
Joe Dante, who'd made Gremlins and Gremlins 2 in 1990. Ooh. So and they both came up with treatments and screenplays for this. But, um, but they were, they were going to do, both of their ideas were contemporary ideas, you know, set in the modern world. And Universal were not looking for that, sadly. Sadly for them or for us, whatever. But also, they were in talks with uh, George Romero, the Whoa. the the zombie guy. Yeah. And and again, I wasn't because I don't know how far these ideas got. I mean, this obviously this took almost the best part of a decade to get from these ideas to a film being made. Mm-hmm. But Universal wanted something period set, and none of these guys were up for that. None of them were doing anything like that. And then when Stephen Summers came along with his this idea, they were much more receptive to that mm-hmm. and they greenlit it for quite a lot of money because it was a thing that they had ready to go they owned the, they owned yes. the rights and they were excited by the idea and they're obviously the, the cast are all fairly yep. fairly big 1999 names yeah. but I do wonder, and it is just speculation but I do wonder how many ideas from the earlier scripts and the earlier film treatments mm-hmm made it through into this because it's a particularly gruesome idea that the mummy will take your organs to regenerate himself. Yeah. Which I can see being a Clive Barker idea. I can see it being something he would like. Mm -hmm. I've got no no evidence for that. Not basing that on on anything. It's just an interesting thought that they it, it does seem like the people that they got in were not ever going to do the sort of thing that they... If the, if this was what they wanted, mm-hmm. and it was fantastically successful and they love it, but if this was what they were after, they yeah. were barking up the wrong tree, speaking to the man who made Hellraiser yeah. and the man who made Night of the Living Dead. And <laughs> I understand they were talking to uh, Wes Craven at some point as well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether this was pre or post Scream, but, you know, the man who made Last House on the Left. Oh, um, yeah. And a lot of other stinkers, but you know what I mean. A, a, like a, a real dead in the wheel horror director. And Joe Dante is an interesting, an interesting idea, an interesting pick for them because of the way that Gremlins is is a horror and a comedy mm-hmm. at the same time. You know, which is this 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 is certainly a comedy and with horror elements too. Yeah. So Dan, Joe Dante is the closest fit to to this, especially compared to like you know, say George A. Romero. Yeah. I don't know how Stephen Summers got the gig, but I think he does very well. There's yeah, some he really does. nice shots. Yeah, but there's there's a couple more elements coming up later on that I'll point out. But this was just one where I was like, "That's horrible. Mm. That's a really grim idea." And you were talking off mic about the go- about the because it's a twelve A, as I said, mm-hmm. cinematically, and and about what they were working to to in order to get that twelve A, mm-hmm. but still make the the monster horrible. They had a essentially a grossness scale. Right. For the mummy, just yeah. the, but that was just for them. It was just to make sure that they were, the, they were banned from actual gore, so they had to make it as good as they could, but without going off the the grubness. Yeah, fair enough. Yes, yeah, so there's there's almost no blood in this mm-hmm. film at all, as I recall. I um, can't think of any. He's yeah. all he's all sort of rotten and with holes in him and at first and stuff, but he's not he's not bleeding or no. anything like that. And uh, all of the violence if you'd like you know that we don't see his eyes being plucked out and his tongue being removed and it's it's very effective Mm -hmm. you know with sound and suggestion and stuff but um and i love summers was very adamant that he wasn't going to have a man in bandages like sloping around you know he wanted it to be a different way of doing it that's why they went with 
motion capture to make sure that it moved like oh, a human, yeah. right? This is very early for mocap stuff isn't as well, it? isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. This is why I mentioned as well that it's in the same year as as The Matrix. Right, yeah. Um, so it makes sense that this stuff's sort of around and with a budget like that, you might be able to play with a little bit, but there's not much of it in the film. But, because money. Yeah. But after all that, you still use a practical effect mummy hand to hand the gold to Benny. Yeah. When he says, you'll have these, and he opens his mummy hand. That's a puppet. That's yeah. a beautiful bit of hand puppetry. Not even a man in a... That's not even a man in a glove. In a glove, no. It's, it's, a... it's bones. I will say, when he spoke, I had to fight laughing, because, obviously, fast forward 20 years, whatever time is. How long ago is 1999? As we're recording now, mm-hmm. 22 years ago. Yikes. Well, 22 years ahead of this... We find that we can push air through an Egyptian man's vocal <laughs> voice box and hear what they actually sounded like. And I feel like everyone's missing a trick by not editing the footage of the mummy speaking for the first time with, ah, oh, <laughs> you know. That was ridiculous. It was great. I love that it exists. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> he's just sighing. He's just annoyed that someone's woken him up. Yeah. Especially with the way their afterlife is. He must be like, oh, well, well angry. Yeah. Well, who can blame him? Yeah. Every bit of the next scene is beautifully put together while O'Connell tries to convince Evelyn to go home. Oh, is this when they're packing and unpacking yes, in packing the hotel? Yes, packing and unpacking. Again, this is very... It happened one night, right? Hap- yes, yeah, exactly yeah. that. Uh, very 30s romantic comedy. Yes, yes. Um, and and the, the quick-fire dialogue talking over each other. Yeah. But, but it also advances the plot and tells us a little bit about their respective characters. Which yes. It's just, yeah, good scene. In the lobby, while this is going on, Imhotep's in the fittest mask. He didn't make it into the mask episode because I forgot he wore a mask here. Good point, yeah. But he's there being the prince uh, while Benny... Who's working for him now so that he doesn't get himself eviscerated. Benny kind of narrates what's going to happen to our poor bespectacled victim or a-spectacled? I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Anti-spectacled. And we see in shadow and with a lot of screaming that he eats the rest of him. Yeah. Or, or sort of sucks sort of the rest assu- of him. Yeah, like ingests or assimilates the rest of him. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have a question for you. Mm. Winston, we were introduced to a little bit be- just before we met the mask of Imhotep. Yep. And he's walking in and out the fountain saying, someone spilled their drink, which <laughs> is great. But... <laughs> but then all the water turns as if like blood. Yes. Were they shotting water? Surely not. Why is it in their glasses then? Because even if it's whiskey and water, you have a drop. You don't have a... Yeah, you're right. Because it's a dramatic moment when they realise that. Yeah, okay. But yes, but these these characters, we we've come to know them by now. These are not the type to... Have shots. Well, who are the type to have shots of water? No, exactly. It's but, somebody trying to win a game of like drinking someone under a table. Yeah. But Jonathan spitting out his glass of blood made me go, "What? Eh?" Very impressive pyro in the practical effects for this next scene. While fire is raining from the skies, fair enough. The terrible CGI of fire raining from the skies is awful yeah, over but, a fake Cairo. But when it lands. But when it lands, it lands nearly on horses. It yeah. lands on people. That's so impressive. How are they throwing fire like that? 
they had a hell of a good pyrotechnic yeah. team because we've already seen that with the fire on the boat. Mm-hmm. Because actually, yeah, not just the man on fire on the boat, but the, no, the, 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 the set burning is really nicely done. This is the last bit as well that, that had a small section cut for a 12 ah. of, some of some of the burning people when the <laughs> where, where, where those shots were slightly trimmed wow. for, for the cinema. Bit too, like a, just a long shot. Yeah, it was just a little bit too graphic. Whereas, whereas, as I say, most of the most of the horrific violence is in shadow or off scene or done through sound. But that was just too much. And I think it's only like a a second, half a second that they shave mm. off the scene. But it's just the, they thought the camera was lingering a little bit too long. I don't I don't have like the BBFC examiner's notes. I wasn't able to find that, but I did find you know the results of yeah. that because obviously these are the cuts that were required meanwhile we come across imhotep fannying about near evelyn you know oh is this where he's in the bedroom comes yeah. in like very very dracula vibes from him in this scene definitely here. and as sand which is quite nice we don't see him often mm-hmm. sloop sloop into sand yeah which but... doesn't make any sense except that it's you know, the old sands of Egypt. Yeah. Uh, but I did say you can just not like cats. You don't have to scream and turn into a sandstorm and disappear. They do at least attempt to explain it in the dialogue, if that mm. makes sense. That, you know, it's his weakness because of their religious connections. Yes. I like the line, sorry, Evie, he's a bit tall. <laughs> From John Hanna when he's asked to stop O'Connell. Yeah. You know. Or why he's going with him, basically. Yes, because um, yes, well, O'Connell again. It's a nice bit of character. It's a good part, but then they're all good part. Like if you're yeah. looking at this as an actor, it's it's chocker with yeah. good parts that, yeah. that you want. You struggle to be rubbish, apart from if you were an American in it. Yeah, but and the Americans have the thankless task of just as I say, being boorish and then being picked off and one then by dead. one. Beautiful shots in the streets, and Benny is a f- would make a flawless. Renfield or Igor? Turns out he played Igor in something. Was it not Van Helsing? It was Van Helsing. Same director. So obviously... Okay, so we got it. We uh, got it in one. Stephen Summers is taking notes. I put that he's so extra there. He's like lolloping <laughs> around and, and panting to himself. Yeah. And, and he's great as well it. in that scene where he where they've got the, the blind American and the, yeah. you know where he says... Master, thanks you for your gifts of your yeah. eyes and your tongue. You know, and it is... It's, it's true in scenery, but it's exactly what is required. No, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Almost the Emperor Strikes Back in the score, just saying. <laughs> yeah. Any relation to Jerry? It's just John Williams. Oh, John Williams yeah, did all the Star Trek, all Star Wars but, movies. But he really. also did all of Indiana Jones, so we are right. yeah. nabbing bits and pieces. Of course. Also, Shadow Eats. Right, yes. Yeah, so Shadow Eats is, again, is that we see Imhotep suck the force out of somebody, but we see it in yes, Shadow. Yes, we do. And it's it's... I really like that effect as well of watching the body shrivel. Me too. In, in shadow, Fascinating. like that, which again is something you could never do on camera. Mm-mm. A, you could you could never do it and look good even on the budget that they had, which was considerable. But also, there was you would never get it through on twelve A. No. Practical sand effect in reverse as well when he leaves. Yeah. He leaves out the window. Yeah. Um, and then I realised, are they actually alluding to playing with the Rosetta Stone there, when when Evelyn's trying to decode something. Is that? It's the right. Sh- it's the right shape and size. I just wondered if they kind of shoehorned it in. 
she's trying to figure out where the other book is. Yes. Because, yeah. I don't know if it's the Rosetta Stone as such, although it does look like it. You're dead right. Mm. Although I can't remember what's But it could the... just be... They're going, here's a recognisable thing and you can visit in the exactly. British Museum. This is an ancient Egyptian stone. How incredibly well do you think the British Museum did out of this film? Uh, yeah. I think it boosted them tenfold and I think it probably paid for that weird makeover they did when I was about nine. <laughs> you know? The uh, what when they put like the roof on the courtyard and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't actually think I've been back. Ah. Since, oh, you should. well since it's been a, had a revamp. Uh, listeners, given that I know we have listeners all over the UK, if any of you are in London, go and have a look at the British Museum. It's incredible. It's a wonderful place. Yeah. Genuinely, it's got some amazing things. And the Natural History, History Museum. Make a day of it. You can do <laughs> Jurassic Park and The Mummy in yeah. a day. Sand through the keyhole. All this time, I suppose, Imhotep as well, with each victim, gains a more corporeal form mm-hmm. and more like the actor. And we'll credit him at this point. Arnold Vosloo? Yes. Vosloo. Vosloo. Vosloo, who is a, uh, a man of South African extraction. Mm-hmm. But who has a lot of fun with this part. Although I did read a little snippet of an interview with him where he said that his, not motivation, but the thing that he kept in mind for the part was that he was trying to play it straight. And that Mm. for, uh, have you got it there as well? I you know, if I could absolutely do it straight. From Imhotep's point of view, this is a skewed version of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. And it's probably why he looks so mortified at the end. Yes. But it makes sense that like this real... There's, it, it, you're trying to give your very cartoony comic book villain some substance, substance, and some just some basis in some form of reality, mm-hmm. uh, even though as I say, it's clearly a lot of good fun for him. Yeah, I, he also described filming as a whole new thing for him. They had to put these little red tracking lights all over my face so they could map it in the special effects. Oh, a lot of the time, I was walking around set looking like a Christmas tree. Yeah, this would be the, the motion capture stuff yes. that you were saying. Yeah. And yeah, so that we we have talked a bit about the ropey CGI, but it's just you just notice it, it's not it doesn't really detract. For me anyway. <laughs> Since no one was used to acting across from nothing, the actors were shown pictures of Vosloo in full mummy look to inspire fear. Wow. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Because of course this was all new, that you know, now actors they get it they're going to be acting in front of nothing yeah they're going to be acting to a wall or to uh, a yeah, man and dressed in blue green screen and a, yeah. a, a broom with a ping pong ball stuck yeah. to it so you get the eye height right but just to briefly do a little bit of background again with summers mm. Stephen Summers said that The Mummy in 1932 was the one movie that ever scared him as a kid. He was eight when he saw it and wanted to recreate things like that on a bigger oh, scale. fantastic. Which makes perfect sense, It really right? is what he's done here. I mean, plot-wise, it bears very little relation to the thing. But in spirit, it feels very close to it in some ways. Yeah. And lastly, just on him again, mm. I have a quote from him describing his vision for the film. Go on. As... A kind of Indiana Jones or Jason and the Argonauts from 1963 mm. with the mummy as the creature giving the hero a hard time. Wonderful. Ta-da. Well, there's a bit coming up that he very clearly took from Jason and the Argonauts that's really nicely nicely done, nicely yes, choreographed. Yes, you're dead right. And it did strike me at the time and I've actually written it in the notes and not put the two together. Me too. So, well done. <laughs> um, cream car, cream suit. Nice. That uh, sounds like Jonathan to me. Yep. Imhotep the mega goth. That's him screaming in the belfry. Like a bat, 
Batman. Yeah, um, <laughs> like a Batman, like but a not Batman, the but Batman. Not the Batman, no. And then the plague people who were absolutely terrifying and a little bit too soon as well, also. Yeah. <laughs> Given what we've all just lived through. Obligatory market store chaos, right? But yeah, I love a bit of market store chaos. Isn't it nice to have a car chase with only one car? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's there are some effective sort of. I say it's not horrifying. This film, it's no. it's all good fun. But there are some effective, sort of slightly unpleasant bits. And certainly when the car's being swarmed with the sort of cultists with boils, mm. it's quite. It's, it's not frightening, but it's creepy, isn't it? Yeah. That's the one that got me when I was younger. Right. I didn't like the beetle, the first beetle, very much. Yeah. But the plague people, I mean, I, f- I fear large groups of people anyway. You never know what stupid stuff they'll do, but mm-hmm. that's particularly bad. Waving fire at people that are carrying fire? Who knows? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, brown eyeshadow, our brown eyeshadow palette for the absolute win on Rachel Weiss. We haven't talked about her fashion for a while, but that Please. is an entirely 90s smoky and nude mix that right. they used to do a lot everything would be in brown she'd be contoured in brown her eyes would be contoured in black and brown to give that real rich what how and why did we wear this to primary school look <laughs> you know um and sort of you'd need a lot of pencil eyeliner eyeliner there's no liquid eyeliner in sight there right you know this is not we are now in the land of wings again back in the land of wings in a kind of 60s style but back then we were all about the waterline and getting as much coal, K-O-H-L, yep. onto the waterline as humanly possible and then crying it off over <laughs> a boy called Stephen. <laughs> well, I suppose it is a, a, a plot point. <laughs> yeah, we're just letting that go. Like, you should let it go. It's been 20 years. Stephen! Yeah. It is a plot point that uh, she resembles in some way the princess Anaxunam. I can't do it as well as you can. Anaxunamun. Thank you. That there's something about her that reminds Imhotep of his lost love. Mm. Yes, exactly. So she has to have that kind of face, that sort of... She can't look too 90s. She has to have a sort of slightly ancient Egyptian look about her that... Yeah, for, you know, for it not to just, just seem ridiculous. Well, we also know that she has history here. Her, her mother's Egyptian. Of course. Uh, she's telling him when she's a bit piddled that um, Daddy was a, essentially a terrible man. That he liked uh, Egypt so much, he married one of the women from the Egypt. Yes. See, also another person who's never been drunk. Maybe Rachel Weisz is a teetotaler. <laughs> Beautiful Winston set up in the desert, uh, the Toad of Toad Hall, but in the skies. I love Winston. Yes, I thought you would. He's very Porco Rosso, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um, yeah. But very sweet, sort of. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> sort of very sweet. I've always loved the sand wind face thing. It's very Madonna Frozen. Yeah. You know, lots yeah. of... Yeah, <laughs> no, and it's on the poster, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, quite rightly, it's a good... Sound design team, though. Go, go, go. Imagine being told, right, we need you to to do the sound for a sand face yeah and there's no previous sand and you say what's face. It, you say what's it gonna look like you say well we haven't animated it yet but it probably looks a bit like this here's a drawing yeah <laughs> yeah of like the you know pink floyd the wall kind of screaming face or like oh you know, it also has to eat a plane yeah exactly <laughs> it's like you know like you know here's your reference points and it's like one of the francis bacon screaming popes and like some edvard Mull. yeah make a noise for this yeah i but, don't know why i put lol america there <laughs> 
But go on. The uh, the reason I like Winston, a brief digression on Winston's character, because you know he's not he's not given an awful lot of screen mm-hmm. time, but he turns up as you say, sort of slightly sozzled and lamenting the fact that he's the last of the Air Force here, and he wished he could have died in battle instead of here, like booze and boredom. Exactly, with all of his old Air Force buddies, and then when they come to him and they say. You know, great danger, save the girl, yeah. rescue the world. Yeah, uh, He's delighted, he's absolutely up for it. And then yeah. like, when we get that shot of him f- f- battling his plane through the um, through the sand, he basically says, like, I'm coming, my lads, I'm coming, my oh, boys. No. And he, so he gets the hero's death that he wanted, yes. that he set up as wanting, but you sort of assume, given the sort of character that he would be, that, you know, he's a coward in some way, that, like, yes. that, that he's just, yeah. that actually he loves spending his days sozzled and bored. Um, yes, that's interesting. Yeah, do, do you know what I mean? He's I that do. kind of like imperial leftover of which this film is sodden. Totally, but and he spends a lot of time with a kind of somehow managing to have staff, even <laughs> though it's just him in a de- you know, like yes. when they arrive in the desert, he has a boy holding a brolly kind of thing. Yeah, it's marvellous, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yeah, proper. Uh, but, but yes, it turns out that he was uh, true to his word and. Um, and he wanted to be dead. Wanted, well, it's very dark. He wanted. He want, not just. No, he wanted to be dead, in the, but he wanted. A good death, a fitting death, right. a British death, a hero's death. A hero death. Okay. You know, it's it's very much the it's like the thing that Mrs. Scott is rumored to have said to Robert Falcon Scott when he was going through mm. the poll, which was "Come back a hero or don't come back at all." Yes, it's that kind of thing, and and in just a couple of um, just a few very short lines and a very short, you know small characters get uh-huh. you, all of this is. Is laid out and made clear, and mm. so that his his death feels like it completes a little character arc for him, you know. And it's it's nice, yeah, it's nicely done. Yeah. Benny has a heart for a second there as well in that scene. Oh, when he dis- no, she distracts him, not. No, she. Evelyn distracts him with a kiss and that's how they live, right? Yeah. That's how the other two live. The, the plane crashes, but mm-hmm. Winston dies. They survive. Um, but Benny's like sort of thrilled that they survived and then yeah. calls him oh, yes. the B word, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, I don't think that's at O'Connell. I think yeah, that's well, it's a, nicely ambiguous, isn't it? Because yes. then, then he does the sucking up, toadying to his boss, yes. talking about how he loved the sand I face. the bit. sand face, yeah. Yeah. Oh God! They're back in the tomb for some reason. <laughs> I think they're trying to. Well, they're trying to find the other book. Right? Yes. And Jonathan gets a a bug in him. Yeah. And there's a lot of stabby. I'm, I don't really enjoy that. No, but it, but it, again, it's it's the fantastic like do something beat not that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, excellent sound design for all of this thing. Imhotep's priests are next level. I love them. Oh, yes. I really, really love them. They're beautifully designed. They actually hold up really well. I yeah. think it's something to do with the lighting in the pyramid. But yeah. actually, they're specifically very, very strong. Yeah, there's obviously had time and care spent mm. on them. As well. and, but they're very zombie-ish. Remember I said earlier, yes. mother, and I do wonder if something of Romero hung about the project. You know, they, yeah. they're they very Night of the Living Deady, especially in the way that you can... You fight them and you can blast them and you can kill them, but they just keep. But they're they are dead. I find them to be more like the putties from. Pow, go go Power Rangers! Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Ooh, 
Oh, but yes, yeah, yeah, fair enough. That might not have been so much what they were going for. No, but. probably not the, the kind of cheap Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but no. Um, but yes, no, I can absolutely see it. And here I've put strong Harryhausen vibes. Yes, so this is the fight scene yeah. with between Rick with his big bronze sword. Yeah. And the... Um, Again, Jason and the Argonauts yeah. with the big bronze sword. And the priests. Yeah. Alongside all this, we have the typical thing where actually uh, we missed an important thing. Go on. Evelyn sacrifices herself, in fact, to Imhotep. Yeah. She does say, I need to go with him for the ritual. Yeah. But we can think think our way yes, out of we've that. we've got time because exactly. we've got to get back to... That's why they're there. Yeah. Because they have to get back to where Anaxuna Moon is. Yes. Because he's going to transfer... He's going to bring back the Blob Ghost Spirit. Yeah. So Blob Ghost Spirit is floating through the air while Harryhausen stuff is happening. Yeah. Oh, cause, yes, cause, because Benny is there when, when she's being abducted. Yes. Um, before they make their escape. And Benny is there translating the, his master and Evie corrects him on some of his... Trans- yeah, which is Some lovely. of his translations are a bit, bit ropey. It's just... Just really nice, and she's yeah. she's annoyed, but she's she's obviously frightened, and but you can like, and her brain is whirring to try yeah. and work out the plan, but she's still all like, eternity, it, idiot. Exactly, yeah. you know, she's still yeah. she's trying to impress the Bembridge scholars, you know, and she's still yeah, she's yeah. just extremely sharp and good. Well, she's the hero, she's a hero. I really love that O'Connell tries to do like a smooth Indiana Jones style mummies line, but gets cut <laughs> off by the mummy. Like, yeah. they're, they're not done yet, you know. No. There's more to come. The legs curling up is a real sensory memory for me. So when he chops the bottom of that guy's oh, yeah. legs off and they curl up like an actual mummy, that really stuck with me. It's really nicely but done. But again, it's because of my time in the British Museum. It's because right. of how much time I spent there as a kiddo and loved it, being obsessed with Egypt. Yeah. So there are mummies in there with that shape, mm-hmm. you know, where there's there's bodies just yeah. in there that we look at. It's so bizarre don't know how I feel about it actually I've never known uh, how I feel about putting those things on display from a fascination level they're great but from like if you're going to respect their burial rights you've really done a number that's true but that number was done long ago totally um, I mean yeah well I mean it's pretty much yeah. the the fur industry uh, the the antique fur right industry yeah argument yeah. right of like well it died you know, this mink was made into something hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, fine. But, like, it's still a kind of dead thing. Yeah. In the same way as, like, yes, fine, but this is still the remains of a human that truly believed that that was their way to the afterlife. Yeah. And you're there, like, putting a school trip in front of them and touching the glass. Like, I don't know, it freaks me out. Anyway. Sure. And actually, this movie is quite respectful of, like, in, in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Because it is taken as read that all of this stuff is real and works. Yes. And we talked briefly about Imhotep's motivation mm-hmm. and that for him it's, this is a tragic love story and yes. even thousands of years later he's still trying to bring his his lady love back and he has that ability and he has that power because he's an ancient Egyptian and they're sort of, mm-hmm. you know, strong with the force. Yes, yeah, fair enough. And and, and this that stuff is weirdly never... Well, I say weirdly... It's never made fun of, and that's because the film understands that it can joke around with a lot of stuff, but it can't, and it doesn't, undermine the dramatic engine that drives the plot. Mm. You know? There's lots of jokes in here, but they're not jokes at the expense of... No, not at all. No, you're like, right. The belief, because... Yeah, you have to believe in the story, you have to believe in yeah. the mechanics of it, and the mechanics of it are ancient Egyptian magic. Yeah. I particularly love the guys in hats. 
They're brilliant. Yeah. I love how they move. I love how they climb walls. They're such a nice bit of design. Again, the CGI holds up here. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's lighting is to blame. Um, blog- <laughs> well, that was why Harryhausen was so great. Ob- they've obviously paid attention to Jason and the Argonauts, right? Yes. He spent a lot of time making sure that the lighting in the yes. model shots match the live action stuff. They've obviously done the same here. O'Connell is obviously fighting against nothing. Uh-huh. And, they've, and they've spent a lot of time matching the CGI very well to what he's doing. Yes, uh, they choreographed him. He spent hours and hours working on solo choreography for that. And then they CGI'd everything to fit later, which is how you do it, right? Yeah. Because you could do it with boys on balls, balls on boys rather, but actually you can get it so much more precise, I think, with uh, perhaps not the positioning as precise, but you can Mm -hmm. get the movements of rick to look like he's punching through things if he's not stopping before he gets to a bit of wood yeah or something yeah. that is acting yeah. as the blob so anyway talking of blobs just while we have a fight scene it's important that evelyn also has a girl one to fight of so course. she's fighting an axe in a moon isn't it awful when your when your boyfriend's mummy doesn't get on with you <laughs> can you do crickets please Tumbleweed, as, yeah yeah, some, yeah. Um, the wall climbing is just so good, and fight scenes with the CGI and actor are so well choreographed. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they're we're also the, very funny. We're on the same page. Yes, yeah. it's funny, but it's also dramatic. Like there's there's peril, mm. and it's funny. Like and they have real weight to them. The CGI models. Um, yes. Well, here's some watching a grown man get re-traumatized as he sees his lady love get stabbed to death by a bunch of guys. This is, because this is what I mean. About throughout it. all of this, we have a tense translation thing. And the tense translation thing is that Jonathan didn't study as hard as oh, Evie. Yes. So she's having to sort of fight and also physically fight and also try to decode what he's saying. Because they found the golden book and they figure that the the black book raised this guy. Yeah, so the, so gold, the gold book will book probably will... put him go sleepy yeah. bye-bye. Sleepy bye-bye. Yes. The overly open mouth has always freaked me out. Oh, yeah, his party yeah. trick. Yeah. Overly open mouth. The, this spell has been said. Jonathan's thrilled, and uh, Voslu is walking towards them with a kind of dirty smile on his face. And they said, "Oh, I thought you said it would kill him." And then runs O'Connell runs him through with his blade, and you know that's fine. Mm-hmm. And he just dies, but he dies really tragically. Like it is horrible. Mm. Like his face. He's so shocked that he's done that, and apparently the spell made him mortal. Right, so. Yeah, he goes in all confident, being like, "La la la, nothing can kill me." And then I wait, a simple blade can. Because yeah, we've already seen him earlier in the fight have his arm severed. Yeah, but he just screws back on. Chuck and he's it back fine. on. Fine. But I will say it's quite cute that he then gets stabbed in the stomach, like a in a moon was. Yeah. Um, it's actually the same bit of choreography that. Well, it's when they kill the through. when they kill the pharaoh, isn't it as well? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because then, yeah, and she she, she commits does suicide in, in the stomach. Yes. 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 Yeah. Here's my question to you. Mm. The carriage that takes him to the afterlife. Oh, yes. Victorian funeral carriage. Yeah, no, it's wildly ahistorical. But it feels right. No. It doesn't feel right I to don't you. think that feels right. I think... Because that's Ra, right? Ra rides a chariot. Chariot. So that's what they've done. The they've gone for like, oh, chariot. But they're like, chariot. And then they've picked a kind of pseudo-Roman one from yeah, Victorian see, times. It's very like... It's, it made me think of Ben-Hur as well. Yeah. You know, in the big 50s Technicolor... Sword and sandals thing, yeah. but it also made me think of Phantom Carriage, right? Right, because it's the same carriage. Of course, as that. It's the same. It's the same idea, right? Of the souls mm. and the yeah. I love that they went 
against the sudden aging once mortal trope. They could have gone for the thing where oh, you age incredibly quickly and yeah. yeah, and then you become dust. I don't mind that, no. but I like that they went against it. And then, uh, you know, he gets eaten by the blob and says death is only the beginning, which yeah. is for your sequels. Yeah. And then it also echoes. The he writing, wrote it he in writes the, it exactly. It's a curse, yeah. Inside his, with his fingernails, presumably, while being eaten alive by scarab beetles. God, you know, people could really multitask back then. I know. <laughs> Benny, poor Benny. <laughs> uh, such a nightmarish way to die. He had a dimmer switch in that torch. Ah, which very is nice. nice. Um, very cute. Uh, yeah, and. Um, it's an interesting point that O'Connell tries to help them when they're trying to when they're escaping yeah but that's because i feel like that's an accidental um haze code moment yeah because we're not allowed to have him be a bastard right he's the hero yeah so it's important that he does that act at the end to be like oh i'm also really good yeah but doesn't manage to save benny yeah yeah and it would although you'd be allowed to now it is a bit of a sour taste if he's like, it's just like, ah, ha, 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 kicking him back through to be. Yeah, but to he, the... you know, he does say, I think it's three times in the film he says goodbye, Benny. So it is the callback from the first time, which is when yes. he was abandoned, yeah. to the second time, which is when he, chucks uh, him off the boat. when he chucks him off the boat, and then to the third time where he knows that's probably Benny's time up. But, you know, we've already had that bit earlier where uh, Evie said, people like you always, I can't do the voice as well as you can, but, you know, people like you always get their comeuppance. Yes. Yeah. The buildings falling are not CGI. That's interesting. That's yeah. some fun stuff. What have I put? I'll tell you what, it does remind me of the buildings falling down at the end. Go on. The library scene at the beginning. Oh, yes, very true. What a gorgeous kiss. We often get gross kisses for this <laughs> stuff. And the kind of weird 70s mouth clamp. You can't oh, yeah. see what I'm doing, but I'm making my two hands that you use to practice kissing. You know, like your thumb and first finger yeah. making a creepy old man mouth that you would sort of mush against yourself as a young person. Well, I really enjoy their chemistry all the way through this film, the two yeah, of them. Yeah, it's very nice. The, the way they spark off each other, it doesn't feel forced. You know, I mean, the the, the writing's quite good, but, there's yeah. some, but good writing can do a lot, but when a couple, when a leading a couple just don't gel together, there's not nothing you can do about it. You no, know? but I also think that part of that is the humour that everything's done with. I feel like yeah. everybody's in on a joke for a lot of the film, actually. And I yeah. think the only person that isn't is Imhotep. Yeah. Because he deliberately was like, I need to play this straight or I'm not playing it. Yeah, and, but, that, and that was the right call. Absolutely, but everybody else is in on this kind of fun time. It feels very... Um, the the cast have a similar relationship, to my mind, as the 10 Things I Hate About You cast. Right. Where it's these kids that are, like, having a laugh. <laughs> and this does feel like that. You know, you've got yeah. Brendan Fraser, who was fresh off the back of George of the Jungle. Yeah. Like, biggest, most successful film he'd done. You've got Rachel Weisz, who... I'm not sure what she was doing at this point, actually. But I don't think she was huge at this point. No. Um, um, you've got John Hannah as you say director of course as well I'm yeah sure exactly yeah. she was coming up from the theatre she was um, yeah. Shakespeare company for, I think, yeah. for a while no I mean she's she's got chops but yeah, yeah. John Hannah who as you said at the, at the beginning was in the middle of this blossoming burgeoning doodah yeah you know he was right in the centre of being a famous they casted essentially a, an unknown to be their baddie yeah 
who then I don't know him from other things particularly, but he is in stuff. He's gangsters, and he, I think he must be quite tall. Yeah, no, he's he had some more work before this, and I understand I had a quick look at his IMDb, and mm. I'm feeling he appeared in some South African productions. So it, was, it might be slightly analogous to the time that was it Michael Fassbender sort of turned yeah. up in a couple of things, and everyone was like, "Where's this amazing talent come from?" And it turns out the answer was he was making German films for like. A decade or more you know <laughs> yes. where it's like a non-anglophone cinema where you suddenly pick somebody out from that and put them in a a big film but that was just a very cursory glimpse so maybe i'm completely wrong i mean he's in the professionals he's in the blacklist the harrowing bosch these all these are all very very recent can you go back to sort of the 90s because mm. i wouldn't be surprised if something like this looked because he's you know he turns up in the sequel spoilers we'll talk about that in a minute Oh yeah, but, he does. Uh, what a shame. Wouldn't surprise me. If... I mean, he's got eighty-three credits to his name. Right. He definitely appeared in Charmed. Um, Charmed. Yeah, wow. he was in an episode as Darklighter. Ardeth was also in Charmed. Right. They both played <laughs> baddies. Progeny, Rough Draft, Zeus and Roxanne. I mean, I really don't know any of these. Um, I say he was plugging away. In... Yeah, as I say, eighty-three credits. Yeah. and not all of them are like now. <laughs> no. You know, but it's interesting. In fact, I will have a little looky-loo. And see if it's just because he's like six foot five or so, you know? Yeah. Sometimes these things, it's enough, but he might just be an incredible talent that I'm being horrible about. <laughs> Imhotep is not a role that would stretch the acting muscles of a Ken Branner, but he, he does very well with what he has to do, if that yeah. makes sense. But it is a lovely kiss and camel share and treasure, every, all of that stuff to end, right? Yeah. So there's a bag of treasure Oh, and also, Ardith Bay is implausibly alive despite having clearly sacrificed himself yes. earlier. Presumably because he is too heroic or something, you know? He's too yeah. much of a... Because of the way he is always through the rest of the film, pretty infallible and mm-hmm. one of this trained secret society of people who are looking but after him. But that feels thing. very Star Wars. Yeah, and it, you know? it's you know it's fitting, it works and it's fine. I wanted to have one more word with you about camels. Yes. Brendan Fraser's camel, the first camel that he gets yeah. in the film, is called Barney. Right, Barney the camel. Barney the camel, strong, which makes... Strong camel name. <laughs> total sense. But my favourite fact is that for some reason that nobody could work out, every single camel in the entire production despised Benny. So when he's trying to get, when he's trying to get that camel to move, that's just footage oh, of yeah. that actor. Right, trying to get the camel with to a move. camel. Brilliant. They just hate him. <laughs> I love camels. They're so strange. Good, good, uh, good judge of character. Yeah, or, uh, I've never met one actually. I don't camels. think I've met lots of llamas and alpacas, but oh. I've never met a camel. Well, if if you listener have access to a camel, and you trust me to be near a camel, which I think are two different things. That's true, but you know. We, if you shy boys getting out, as they say, if you don't ask, you might not get. Drop us a line, hauntedpitchpalace at gmail dot com, and yes. we will arrange a meeting. As we we're at the end of the film, but I wanted to touch on mm-hmm. sequels because oh yes, it, this was an enormous success. Yes, it was. as I said, four hundred million plus box office. Yes, on a budget of eighty million. Plus, I assume it's still making money now. You know, so they immediately said, "Yes, we'll have another one, please." The same director for. Mummy Returns, mm-hmm. two years later. And then, what was the other one on there? I've got the... Surely Scorpion King, no? Well, yes, but also... The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Never heard of it. Co-starring Jet Li. 
and yes, and then the the Scorpion King, and then I think there was another Scorpion King there was. film. There was Scorpion King two. Yeah. Rise of a Warrior, the Scorpion King three, Battle for Redemption. And I imagine, although I haven't seen most of these, it's diminishing returns as befits yeah. almost every franchise. They did another Mummy a few years ago with Tom Cruise in it, I think. They did. I ignored it. Yeah, but <laughs> but um, that was a twenties Mummy. That wasn't this Mummy. Fair enough. That was the Bor- yeah, Boris Karloff. Yeah. Yeah, that was Boris Karloff being remade. Fair enough. I think. Okay, I haven't seen it. All you know, all this twenty years of Mummy filmmaking, if mm-hmm. you'd like. None of that would have happened if it wasn't for this. No. Nope. It successfully revivified a really fairly like old-fashioned... Yeah. This is an old-fashioned kind of picture. Great fun. It's only got 46% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was quite shocked about, really. But then, to be fair, Practical Magic's only still got only 18, so... Practical Magic has problems. <laughs> <laughs> as well, a film well the people obviously nearly half the people believe that the mummy has problems that's true they're wrong yeah. they're all wrong yeah I mean I do feel like a lot of it might be that I don't think it's fair to judge a film on what you wish it was no I, I feel like that it does everything it's trying to do extremely well mm-hmm. it, it does a reasonable job at lampshading some of the like slightly orientalist problems yeah. that it has and as I said, like the, um, the most of the ire in the film was reserved for the Americans. I feel like, because we've spoken to a few people about this film, and people of our age and our generation, a few of them have been have said, like, oh, I love The Mummy, you know? I haven't They've had anybody say it. it's awful. They've remembered it well. I, I don't, I would be genuinely interested to know how it would play with somebody who didn't remember it from their childhood, either because they were the wrong age or just because they didn't yes, see it then. Like that's what, a good show. What would this be like to come to it fresh yes. in 2021? I think a lot of it would still work because we talked about like the battle scenes. Yeah, it's uh, fun. Some of the CGI is ropey, but like the, there's money spent on this and the, the pyrotechnic team are on it. Yep. The horse wranglers are on it. Yep. It's got a consistent storyline. There's some mm-hmm. good character work. And it led to The Rock's first film... Was that, his, was that his... Um, oh, yes, that's oh, his, wow. his acting debut wow. as Scorpion King. Wow. <laughs> a lot of money to be Scorpion King. Of course. Yeah. 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 Loved every minute of it. Took it incredibly seriously. I think that might be the secret. Like with, yeah. like you were talking about Imhotep here. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to mention that I hadn't managed to get in was that uh, Blixer Bargelt, the uh, long-time guitarist for Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, oh, and, yeah. uh, and lead singer of Einstein's End and No Button, is credited in this with spirit noises I think he did some <gasps> because if you've ever listened to some of the mm-hmm. some of Ices in the No Button he does a fair amount of sort of screeching and wonderful vocal things which he's brought in here to Epic. do to do some for that which is great isn't it yeah. marvellous marvellous as I say wasn't able to, to use that anywhere else in the <laughs> you pod you could have used it, it really when I fit said in. Sorry? Yeah, you could. Yeah, there was. There were a couple of places you could have used it. Fair enough. I didn't manage but to yes. get it in, but I wanted to put it in. Yeah, quite now. Right. Anyway, it's time. Yes, thank you very much for being with us on Yay. this little breakneck run through the mummy. There was plenty that we missed out, but just because there's so much plot in this, that yeah. if we sort of took you through play by play and blow by blow, we'd be here all night. <laughs> so do watch it and then let us know what you think if you have seen it. We are on the Instagram at haunted underscore picture underscore palace mm-hmm. we're on twitter at hppod mm-hmm. and we can be reached by email 
at hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com. I think that's all of our that's um, it. things, isn't it? Mm. Come join us again mm-hmm. when we'll be doing something else. Do, yeah. we know, do we know what? No, we're going to keep it a surprise we'll this time. Keep it a surprise, mm-hmm. even from ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we should be back next week with a mini episode, hopefully. And then in a couple of weeks' time with another film. Sweet. Good luck. Oh, bye. Don't have nightmares. Bye. 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 One more. Bye. And then I put uh, Brendan Fraser's giving me Army Hammer vibes, and then Army Hammer eat your heart out, and then oh, too soon. Too soon. So, <laughs> so do what you will with that. Oh dear. Good night, yes. everybody. Good night. Yeah.